Hi, welcome to the Axe Church UK weekly podcast. We hope you'll be inspired and blessed by today's message. Enjoy! Would you turn with me uh, to Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30? Let's just dig, dive into some scripture first. And yeah, let's turn to Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. If you're there, uh, just say your amens. If you are uh, excited, no. Church is alive. No, I believe that church is alive, so you don't have to be silent. Just be excited. Say your yes and amens. And you know, when you say amen, it's not like I'm telling you to say amen. You know, amen means that I believe and we want God's word to be done in our lives as well, right? So, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 to 30. It says this. Jesus says this. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Amen. How many of you are already blessed just reading that word? And before I uh, continue sharing about this scripture, and before I even share uh, what the title of my message is, let me tell you a story, all right? Um, Some of you know, um, a few weeks ago, Toby got to uh, preach a powerful message, and he got to share a story of him. Uh, learning to ride a bicycle, right? So today, I'm also going to share a story, not of me learning to ride a bicycle, but it's also related to uh, cycling, okay? So few, a few weeks ago, uh, I was cycling to work in the morning, and I, I noticed that before I left the house, I noticed that my front, my front, my front tire was deflated. So I thought, okay, I need to uh, inflate my tire, and then I need to get going. So I did that. I, I took out my hand pump, uh, and I had a look at my tire valve, so maybe XTV can uh, share the first picture. So that's what the tire valve uh, in my tire looks like. I need, to I need to try to narrate this so that when it's recorded in the podcast, people can also understand. Um, so, yeah, you, as you can see, the tire valve has a cap on it, right? So I had to open up the cap, and then I had to put uh, my hand pump and inflate my tire. So I did that, and I closed the cap, and off I went. However, a few minutes after I cycled, I noticed something weird, that my tire somehow got deflated again. And I was like, okay, so I had to stop by the road. I mean, get off the road, stop by the uh, wayside, and then I had to check my tire uh, to see where, how, how was it inflated and why, deflated and why was that the case. So I tried to look around my tire, look for punctures or any cracks or holes, and I couldn't find them. So I thought, okay, maybe I did not pump properly. I did not close properly. So I pumped it up again, and I went. I went off my way. And about five minutes later, uh, when I was waiting in front of the traffic light uh, near King's Cross Station, and I, I touched my tire, and it was deflated again. You know, it was so weird. And, and I had to go to the wayside, and I had to look at my tire, ignoring the stairs of people walking past me. And it's a busy, you know, it's a busy area in King's Cross in the morning, right? So I had to pump it up again because I couldn't find any punctures. I couldn't find any holes in my tire, which was really weird. So I thought, okay, I guess I'll have to keep pumping. I have to keep inflating my tire um, as, until I get to the office, you know. It's, it's very frustrating. Um, but I did that. And so I cycled. And again, a few minutes later, it was deflated again. And... I thought, okay, this is really weird. So I had to carefully look at my tire valve. So, uh, XTV can flash up the second screen. So I opened up the cap, and I realized, um, as you can see, there's this um, 
thing on top. It's called a top nut, right? I realized that you need to screw it down after you pump it and then close the cap. And then the tire doesn't get you know, deflated. And I was like, oh, oh I, I felt really stupid uh, at that time. But at least I learned something, okay? Um, so I finally uh, inflate my tire and I screwed down the top nut, closed the cap and I went off. And truly enough, it worked, you know? The tire didn't get deflated anymore and I could cycle safely to work, all right? So as I was, you know, as I was cycling, after that, I was kind of like reflecting what happened, uh, what an eventful situation, like quite an interesting incident. Um, and I was reflecting a, a, about it, and, and I felt God actually spoke to me uh, in that situation. He said this, Sam, how much effort have you spent in trying to pump air into the tire, and time and time again, the tire failed you? But what matters is actually that one top nut that needs to be screwed down, right? And he reminded me again that actually our life can be like the tire. You know, we can, we can keep going uh, on in life, but if we do not have that one thing that matters, which is God, um, then we will just get deflated every time, you know? And, and I felt God was asking me in this cheesy manner, am I the top nut in your life? Well, right? So, and that brings me to the title of my message today. So the title of my message today is called The Parable of the Flat Tire. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, yeah, or lessons learned from uh, flat tire. And I believe that, you know, God wants to remind us today uh, about the one thing that truly matters in life. You know, we can have so many things in life, but what is the one thing that truly matters in life? And that's God. And what Jesus is saying, even in Matthew 11 verse 28, uh, He says that, he is. Essentially, He is all that we need, right? He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the one who gives us purpose. He is the, all that we need. And this can sound like a simple truth. It can sound like, yeah, it's like basic truth. But the question is, are we truly living in that truth? I believe that God wants us to, again today, come back to the place where we can fall in love with Jesus again and, and say that, Lord Jesus, that you are all that I need and I just want to follow you for the rest of my life. Amen. And our lives should revolve around following Him. And today, I just want to give us three points on, or three ways on how we, we need to respond to Jesus. Amen. And the first thing is this. How do we respond to Jesus? The first thing is we need to go to Jesus. You know, Jesus says in Matthew 11, verse 28, He says what? Come to me, right? And He says that come to me, all you who are labor and are heavy laden, meaning all you are, who are tired, who are struggling, who needs help, and I will give you rest. That's what Jesus promised, right? And especially when we know that, you know, we may be struggling in different areas in life. Um, maybe you're struggling with fear and anxiety, or maybe you're struggling with um, just an addiction, or health issues, or, or different things that's going on, whether it's in your relationships, or in your family, then let us make it, let us make it an important point, and, and all the more reason to go to Jesus, right? Because He is all that we need, and He will give us uh, strength, He will give us help. Amen? And Jesus knows that we cannot go through life by our own, by our own strength. And I'm also... Uh, not preaching just to you guys, but I'm, I'm also reminding myself that, you know, whatever that I'm going through, we all need God. Whatever we go through, we all need Him. 
And there may be times um, where you felt like you have messed up. You, where there may be times where you feel like you, may, you are not worthy because you probably uh, disappointed God or done something that you are not proud of. And you, f- you felt like you, you have to be distant away from God. Can I, can, I, can I encourage you, friends, that that is not what God wants. God wants you to just come back to Him. That is not, God is, God's heart is not so that He can condemn you when you are struggling, but He wants you to come back to Him so that He can heal you, so that He can pick you up, so that He can be there for you. The question is, are we allowing Him to do that? Are we allowing Him to come into our lives and if we want to allow God to come to our lives, then we need to say yes to going to Him. And it's a two-way street. It's a, it's, it's a two-way communication as well. God wants to come, be there for us, but we also need to go to Him. Yeah. Amen? And, we, and as we do that, we have to put down our ego. You know? We have to put down our pride. We need to put down our barriers and say, Lord, here is my life. Come, and I also want to go to you. Amen? Would you turn with me? to Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 20. Luke chapter 15, verse 11 to 20. Jesus is sharing this story about, um, I'm sure a lot of us know this, about the uh, story of the prodigal son. Um, So let's read that again. Then Jesus said, in verse 11, A certain man had two sons, and that the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him, the younger son, into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pots that the swine ate, but no one gave him anything. That's what the younger son is dealing with right now. And when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to spare, and I perish with hunger? I will arise and go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of, our, of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. And when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And you know, we know what happens after that. You know, the father just threw a party for the son. And that's such a beautiful picture. But I want us to look at uh, the, the attitude of the younger son first. You know, despite the fact that the younger son has strayed away, despite the fact that he had disobeyed his father and, and went off his way, when he was in the, in, in, in the deepest low of his life, you know, he, was, he still turned back to go back to the father. And maybe that's what you're going through in life right now. Maybe you felt like you have failed him. But friends, again, God loves you. That is that one truth that never fails, that God still loves you and He wants you to come back to Him. He doesn't condemn you, but He is calling you to turn back, you know, from your past, from your brokenness, from whatever uh, uh, messed up past that you have been in or maybe you have done something wrong. Just go back to God, amen? And He will uh, heal you and He will, uh, 
He will just embrace you with love. And that's what repentance is. You know, repentance, repentance isn't about, when we hear about the word repentance, we think, oh no, this is such a heavy word. But repentance isn't just about feeling sorrowful or guilty of what we have done and feeling condemned. Yes, one aspect of repentance is, yes, feeling sorrowful, knowing that what we've done is, is displeasing to God. But repentance should also be, following by, should, should also be followed by an action. And that is to that is turn back from our own ways uh, and to go to Jesus. And that's what repentance is. And that's what the young son did as well. He felt sorrowful of what he had done, but that led him to what? An immediate action to go back to his father, right? Um, and that is how we ought to do as well. When we, when we know that we are struggling and we have done something wrong, yeah, pick yourself up. And God will pick you, you up in His grace and just go back to Him, right? But let us also look at the father in this parable. As the younger son was walking back, the father already saw him a great distance away and he ran to the son and embraced him. And when I read that, I could imagine that the father was probably there waiting day by day, looking out for the son to come back. And friends, the truth is this, God is also there waiting. God is waiting for you day by day. If you are far off, God is there for you because He wants to... Um, he wants you to come back to Him. Amen? And even in the beginning, when Adam and Eve, they, they disobeyed God. Uh, let's, let's look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. Just to give some context, you know, God, uh, God told Adam and Eve not to eat of the fruit from the tree of uh, knowledge of an evil, but they did that. And when they did that, they were ashamed of themselves, right? So let's read, um, Genesis chapter 3, verse 8 to 10. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You see, Adam... And Eve, they, they, they hid out of shame because they felt that they have disappointed God. But God still said, where are you? I can imagine, and I believe that God already knew, God being God, He already knew that Adam and Eve, they've already disobeyed God. But God was still there walking in the garden because He wants to have a relationship with them. He, then he's, That's why He was asking, where are you? Friends, I just want to let you know that God is also asking you, where are you? I'm, God is just right here. I felt God saying that God is just right here and He wants you to come back to Him. Amen? Amen. And that's why Jesus is also give, uh, giving that invitation because no matter what you're going through, whether you're broken, just come to Him, right? That's God's desire. You know, King David says this in Psalms chapter 51, verse 16 to 18. Psalms 51, verse 16 to 18 says this, For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. Amen? Can you see God's heart, God's heart here? He, he doesn't despise you when you're broken. You know, and if you go back and read Psalms 51, King David actually wrote this psalm because he uh, committed adultery with Bathsheba and he, he felt when he was um, 
he, when he realized his, his sin, he was sorrowful, he, was, he, was guilty, he felt guilty, but yet he still went to God. And that's why he wrote this Psalms. Go back, read Psalms 51. It's really beautiful. So friends, why am I trying to say this here? If you're feeling lost, go to Jesus lost. If you're feeling broken, go to Jesus broken. Because if the more broken you are, the, the good news is this. God wants to use your brokenness. And the more broken you are, the more God wants you to come so that He can use you for His glory. He can turn your brokenness around into something beautiful. Amen? So don't give up on going to God. Don't give up on going to Jesus. He's all that we need. And maybe sometimes we, when we go through and when we struggle uh, in different things in life, the, a lot of times we don't really go to Jesus. A lot of times we tend to go to other things first, you know. We may go to other people. You know, don't get me wrong, going to people for help is great. But if we, if we have that attitude thinking that God doesn't care, and we go to other people, we go to other ways to help satisfy us, to help us, that's where it's, that's, that's where it's not right, you know? Just like my tire incident, right? When, I was, when, when my tire def- was deflated, I, had, I started looking around for other things first, you know? Are there any punctures, any cracks or whatever? But if I would have shift my focus uh, to, the, to the valve, to that top nut, uh, then I would have figured out the issue, right? Just like what we sang just now, we always look, to who? Jesus, right? Don't look to anywhere else. Jesus is all that we need and everything can be found. Every answer, every solution, every ounce of strength can be found in Jesus, right? Amen. So even if you think, but even if you think that your life is going well right now, maybe you are thinking like, oh, um, I'm not going through something, right? That's great. You know, God bless you, but keep going to Jesus still because you never know what He has in store for you, right? Um, But yeah, don't just go to Jesus when you are in the wilderness. Yes, go to Jesus when you are in the wilderness, but don't just go to Jesus when you are in the wilderness. Go to Him wherever you're at, in the valleys, in the mountains, in a storm, in a breeze, wherever you are, go to Jesus, right? But if you are struggling, then go to Jesus and He will give you rest. Not He may, it's not that He may, He promised that He will. And that's a promise. He will lead you to yeah, work on you know, the different issues that you need to do to work on, to overcome if you're struggling with something, right? And if your life is okay, He will also lead you to experience more of Him. Amen? And talking about lead, that brings me to my second point. First, we, as, the first thing we got to respond is to go to Jesus. The second way that we got to respond, respond is to walk with Jesus. Amen? Jesus said in verse 29, uh, in Matthew 11, verse 29, He says to what? Put my yoke upon you, right? And when Jesus says yoke, the yoke refers to like a wooden beam where you put uh, on top of two animals, let's say two oxen, to uh, pull a load or to plow the land in an agricultural sense, right? And Jesus was using this illustration to teach us that we got to put on His yoke so that, he can, that, so that we can stick close to Jesus, so that we can walk with Him. Amen? And, but when we think about yoke, sometimes we can think of it as a burden. We can think of it, oh, there's a heavy yoke on me. But let's look, it, look at it from a different perspective. I'm sure that all of us, we all carry different burdens in life. And the good news is this, that we are not meant to carry them alone. We are not meant to carry all the burdens alone, but what Jesus is saying that He wants to come into our lives so that He can also walk alongside us and carry our burdens for us. Amen. And that's the good news, right? 
And when we are yoked together with Jesus, that means that we walk with Jesus every step of the way. But when we think about it, that means that we also got to have humility before God. Uh, because when we, uh, if we allow Jesus to walk with us in our lives, that means that we need to allow Him to have a look in at our mess, for example. We need to allow Him to lead us. We need to allow Him to direct us. And that, that means what? That means that we need to submit to Jesus as He leads. We need to submit to the Father's will as He leads, right? That means that we need to let go of going our own way but go, go, to God, go with God's way. Yeah. Amen? So think of Jesus as, you know, the oxen with more experience when we are yoked together with Him. It's, the thing is, it's not right to put the oxen anywhere else but beside you, right? Because the oxen needs to be in the right position which is under a yoke with you. And that means that, yeah, the ox needs to be in the right position. Yeah. And the same thing goes to Jesus, is Jesus in the right position in our lives right now? And putting on His yoke uh, means that we allow Jesus to be next to us every step of the way. And it also means that we need to put Jesus in the right place in our lives, in every aspect of our lives. Jesus shouldn't be in the sidewalk, no. He needs to be in the driver's seat, right? He, and you see, my tire deflates not because the top nut wasn't there. If you think about it, the top nut was there. Uh, maybe XTV can uh, flash it out on the screen again. The top nut was there, but the problem was the top nut wasn't screwed down to the right position. If the top nut wasn't, was screwed down in the right position, then the tire remains inflated. And can I encourage and challenge you with this? Real breakthroughs doesn't come when we say that we know God. Real breakthrough doesn't come then when we say we are Christians. But true breakthroughs come when we allow God to be in the right position in our lives. When we allow Him to be the number one priority in our lives. When we allow Him to be in the center, which is the right position in our lives. Amen? Yeah. And, you know, last week we had a powerful week uh, with our global, global church plants. Uh, we had a global partners, ex-partners conference. And it was a powerful conference. And different ones were sharing from, uh, the, from Daniel chapter 3. Uh, and if you missed that, you know, you can always go back to Spotify. We had Pastor Cat who shared with us as well on Sunday last week about Daniel chapter 3. You know, and I'm just going to summarize it because I also want to share something that I caught. So Daniel chapter 3, Daniel's friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the fire, right? Because they refused to bow down to the gold image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And then when they were thrown into the fire, then Nebuchadnezzar saw that all three of them were walking in the fire, unhurt, not burned. And also, he also saw another person who looks like the Son of God, uh, who walks with them. That means that Nebuchadnezzar also saw that God was walking with them, right? And yeah, that's what we've learned. We, we were blessed to hear that God wants to walk with us through the fire. And that's a beautiful thing. And, and that's a the promise that God has given but can I also share another perspective when I read this? It's great that God wants to walk with us, but are we walking with Him? We also got to say yes to walk with Him. What, I'm, what I mean is this, if we say that, okay, God will walk with us through the fire in our lives, the danger comes when we start to think that God will walk with us based on our own way. You know, sometimes we think, oh, God will walk with me 
to, to do this that I want. But when, when we say God wants to walk with us, we also have to walk with Him. And that means uh, allowing Him to take the driver's seat, allowing Him to lead and guide us and not us, doing the di- not us showing the directions, right? And yeah, that brings me to that point again that God has to be positioned in the right place in our lives, right? And if God is not put in the right place, that's where we, we get deflated, just like the tire. And when we say that, no, if we say that we are yoked together with Christ, we want, but if we still choose to go, to go one way and Jesus wants to go another way, what happens? You're, not, you're just going to end up not going anywhere. And worse still, you're just going to end up hurting yourself. Amen. You're, you're just going to end up in, in a situation where God cannot even use you to, to, for His plans. He, God couldn't even use you to do what He wants you to do. And God has so much more in store for you, friends. He has so much and, and, and beautiful plans for you in your life. Amen. So, as we think about this, maybe we should ask this question ourselves. Have, has there been any... Um, have you ever felt that there were times where you may be struggling? You know, maybe you were struggling to, uh, struggling to pray, struggling to obey, or struggling to be consistent, or struggling to uh, just be consistent in the things of God. Could it be that there were some areas in our lives that, where we haven't put God in the right position? You know, um, and this, is, this can sound ouch, but I'm also reminding myself that are there any aspects in our lives that we did not, where we didn't put God in the right position? And putting God in the right position also means that we need to position ourselves and we need to place ourselves in the position of surrender. We need to place ourselves in the position of humility and, 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 and honor for God, right? And because God is the one who knows better than us, God is the one who, whose ways are always higher than our ways, right? And, but, and when we think about putting, again, putting Jesus' yoke on Him, Sometimes we will think that it's restricting to us. We don't have the freedom that we want. Um, can I share with you this um, example? Let's take dancing, for example. And maybe for those who dance, uh, can help correct me. But I think I got this right. Um, especially for partner dancing, all right? Like if you're dancing with a partner. The most important thing when it comes to dancing, whether it's salsa, tango, or ballet, or whatever, that the most important thing to master isn't it's not the steps, not the dance steps. No, it's the interaction with your partner. It's simply impossible for two people uh, dancing in close contact to move very well or to move seamlessly if both of them uh, wants to move their own way. Both of them um, wants, to achieve, wants to move independently of each other. You know, it, does, like, it won't work. It will be impossible for you to, to, to produce a beautiful choreography, right? Um, but the only way to achieve that is for one person to direct and another person to follow. Wow. Right? One person to direct and another person to follow. Even though it can sound, oh, I need to follow you, it sounds restricting. But what, what was created is it's a beautiful, it, you get a beautiful dance. You get a beautiful flow of movement. So friends, can I encourage you that letting God lead is, is really not a limitation. No, letting God lead doesn't limit you. It, it actually liberates you. Amen. Can I say that again? Letting God lead is not limiting, it's liberating. Jesus says that when you come to Him and when you put on His yoke, what else does He say? He said that He is gentle, 
He is lowly in heart, meaning that He is kind, He's patient, He wants to lead you in a loving manner. And He said that His yoke is easy and His burden is light. Amen. So come on, friends, let Jesus lead you. Let Jesus lead you even in this week as you go into your marketplace, as you, uh, maybe you're going through something, then let Jesus lead you. Because when you let Him lead, although it can feel restrictive, but it actually helps you to find freedom. Amen. So don't walk in our own ways, friends, but allow Him to lead and we got to learn. Allow Him to lead and teach and we just got to learn and listen and walk with Him. Amen? And friends, even Jesus is also the ultimate example of um, being, being uh, submitted to the will of the Father, right? He, he, he submitted to God's will be, to carry the cross and to, to die for our sins. And, and if Jesus has done that, He has also done that as an example so that we will also do the same. Amen? And that brings me to my third point. The third way that we got to respond to Jesus is to do like Jesus. Amen? Would you turn with me to John chapter 13, verse 12 to 17? John 13, verse 12 to 17. So what happened in John 13 was Jesus was having the Passover meal with his disciples, and then Jesus uh, washed his disciples' feet, right? So let's read verse 12. So when he had washed their feet, taken his garments, and sat down again, he said to them, do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you say, well, for so I am. If you then, if, if I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you as an example that you should do as I have done to you. Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master nor is he who is sent greater than he who sent him. And he says this in verse 17, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You see, when Jesus has instructed us to do something, then we got to do them because he has, uh, he has uh, called us to obey. Amen? In our walk with Jesus, we hear his voice, we hear his instructions, and we, we allow him to lead us. That is not enough. We also got to do what he has called us to do. Amen? And if he has spoken something, then are we being obedient? Maybe let's ask this question ourselves. Is God speaking to you? Has, what has God been speaking to you uh, in this season? What has God been challenging you? What has God been encouraging you? And why, what has God been speaking to you? Amen. Has the Lord been speaking to you and, and, and encouraging you to be more generous? This season, or maybe God is speaking to you to be more consistent, or God is speaking to you to be speaking to you to be more courageous, even to share of the good news to your friends. And if He has done that, then we also got to do the same. And God is not someone who just tells you to do and then just leaves you at it. No, Jesus has also set an example for us, right? If you read in verse fifteen, what did Jesus say? He said, that, "For I have given you an example." What Jesus had called us to do, He has done it, right? When Jesus, uh, teach, when Jesus taught us to forgive, He has forgiven us. He has forgiven us of our sins, then we also got to forgive, right? Jesus has loved us. He loves us so much, so we also ought to love others as well, right? Jesus uh, surrendered to the Father's will, then we also got to do the same. Because if we do not do that, then we are in essentially saying that we know better than God. No, if we don't do that, then we're essentially saying that God is not in the right position. I'm bringing back second point. 
You know, we got to position ourselves so that we are His servants and He is our master, right? Jesus said in verse 16 that He said, Most assuredly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master. That means that we also got to recognize our position before God and allow, and allow God to speak into our lives. And when we do that, Jesus also gave us a promise. He says in verse 17, he says that if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. You know, when I read this again, if you know these things, sometimes God has already, speaking, has already spoken something to us and we already know that what pleases the Lord, right? But we, knowing is one thing, doing is another. Doing is another. So we also got to do when we know that God has told us to do what God has told us, right? And Jesus has said this, that you are blessed when you obey. You are blessed. You are not restricted, no? You are blessed in God's eyes that when you obey and do what He says. Amen? So friends, let's choose to do what Jesus says. Let's choose to be more like Jesus. Make it a point this week as you go into the marketplace or as you go into your universities or uh, even ask yourself, how can I be more Christ-like this week? How can I, what can I do? And I know there's a cheesy line that some of us may have used before, what would Jesus do in, in the different situations of our lives? But that's so true, right? What would Jesus do? And if Jesus has done that, then I cannot, I cannot be in a position where I do something different, yeah. right? Because God knows better. So, yeah, ask ourselves these questions. <laughs> Question, how can I be more obedient this week? Yeah. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And, and in a moment, uh, we're just gonna, I'm just going to ask the worship team to just come up first uh, and then we're going to just spend some time to worship God in a moment. But uh, as the worship team comes up to prepare, I also want to s- share a little bit uh, about Matthew 11. Can we, uh, ter- would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 11, verse 25 to 27, the few verses before Jesus said, come to me, right? And I'm going to read this in the New Living Translation. You know, at that time, in reading from verse 25, at that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever and for revealing them to the childlike. Yes, Father, it pleased you to do it this way. My Father has entrusted everything to me No one truly knows the Son except the Father. And no one truly knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. And after that, Jesus then said, you know, then come to me. The the, the conclusion was to come, is to come to to go to Jesus. And what Jesus is saying in these verses is that if we want to respond to God, then we have to come to Him, but we need to come to Him with an attitude of, like, with, with... we need to go to Jesus by being childlike, right? We need to stop being wise and clever in our own way about ourselves. We need to let go of our own self-intellect and thinking that we know better, but we need to go to Jesus by being childlike. And what does it mean by being childlike? Being childlike is basically believing what Jesus has said like a child, going to Him, walking with Him like a child, and doing what He calls us to do like a child. See, if you think about a child, right? A child doesn't know anything. But what the child does is, uh, the child follows his parents. Uh, what his parents say, he listens. What his parents uh, do and tells him to do, he will do. That's, that's how a child uh, behaves and how a child uh, should 
should be like. And that's what Jesus said. We've got to let go of our own logic and our own uh, um, cleverness. But we just got to say, Lord, I don't know anything, but I need you and I'll do what you say. Amen. And friends, being childlike is also to recognize the fact that everything is found in Jesus. Jesus says in verse 27, He says that my Father has entrusted everything to me. And what does it mean? When Jesus means everything, it means everything. No? That means that everything is found in Jesus. Every solution to the questions that you may have in life is found in Jesus. You know, every... uh, every uh, peace and rest, every ounce of peace and rest and strength can be found in Jesus, you know? So can we, even as, even as a church, can we also choose to learn to go to Jesus like a child? Amen? Stop being clever in our own ways. Stop being clever in our own decisions, in our own uh, thinking and start to trust, start to believe and start to do purely because God tells us so. Amen? And in a moment, we're just going to take some time to worship because I believe that you know, worship is the best way to respond to God. But even as we worship later on uh, in a song, I also want us to, again, I also want to conclude again with these three points. Um, as you worship, come on, worship with a response of wanting to go to Jesus. Worship is a response um, knowing that everything is found in Him and He will give us rest. As you worship, let's also not just worship by singing along because the whole church is doing that. Let us worship you know, and, and say that, God, I say yes to walking with you. Worship isn't just about singing, but worship is, is living it out for God. And let us reposition ourselves, place ourselves in a position of surrender and let God be in a position of control and, and leadership. Let Him be the center of your lives. And lastly, let it also be a response to be obedient when He calls us to be obedient. Amen. If you've been touched by today's message and would like to invite Jesus into your life, why don't you join me in saying this prayer? Lord Jesus, thank you for paying the ultimate price for my sins by dying on the cross for me. I receive your love and forgiveness and eternal life by faith. Come into my heart and life and be my Lord and my Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you've been blessed by today's message. For more information about Acts, you can check out www.actschurch.uk. God bless.